Hi. Not happy to see me, or I mean, what's? Hi. There, that's a little better. Okay, all right. Uh, it's understandable. If you're here last week, uh, we started a new collection called Advantageous, and I invited you to be mad at me. And if you missed last week, you missed your chance <laughs> to be mad at me. You can't be mad at me anymore. Uh, so I challenge you guys to find your breaking point. You know, because when it comes to life, right, we would prefer an advantageous way of life. Basically meaning doing things to set up circumstances that are favorable. Does that sound like a good resolution for 2023, right? To do the things this year that would give you favorable circumstances, right? But before you can really do that, you got to get bothered. You got to get upset. You got to find your breaking point because when you find your breaking point, you find the, the motivation, the energy to break the things that are keeping you broken. There's a lot of things out there that keep us broken. That's why you actually have to repeat the same resolution. How many, if I had, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to embarrass you, right? So if I asked you, it's like, is your resolution this year very similar to your one last year? And you'd be like, yeah, it is, right? It's because you keep circling, okay? You keep circling. You got to figure out a more advantageous way. So, so the, so the rest of you were steaming all week, just mad at me. I could feel it, and it was good. I loved it. It fueled me. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, this week, I want to tell you a story about my pup, right? You, you might have, you've been around, you probably have seen Davis. He made an appearance last year, I think. Um, he came out on stage. His little Jack Russell, he's cute. He's ancient now. Um, when we take him to the vet, they call him a uh, geriatric. Yeah, he's a geriatric pet. I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's a thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's very geriatric. So he's 16 or just about to be 16. And, you know, dog, I don't know, it's like over 100. Like, he's, he's well beyond um, it's expected, his expected lifespan. And, uh, and he's, now he just kind of exists, right? But there was a time. There was a time he was very active, right, and very wiry, and, and uh, not just his coat. He was a rough coat, so he had a wiry coat, but he was, in personality, very wiry, um, very adventurous. Uh, there was times when I was a youth pastor. Um, I, he was so fast. I would take, you know, have the kids over at the house, and they'd want to touch Davis, and I'd take him to the backyard. I'd say, all right, I'll give any kid $5 who can touch Davis, and none of them could touch Davis. He would just run figure eights around them. It was, it was awesome. And it wore the kids out. So nothing got destroyed. Um, and so there was this time, right? So Hannah's parents live on a farm uh, up in just about two hours north. And they got cows and all that. Um, but around farms and around that kind of area, there's gophers, right? And so the type of dog that Davis is, that's his name, Davis, the Davis is, is a, a Jack Russell. And they actually, at birth, if you've ever wondered why this happens, you ever wonder why a dog doesn't have a tail, why they cut it off? It's because they're meant to hunt uh, like small animals. And if they run into brush or into a hole and they get their tail stuck, they'll die in the hole, <laughs> whatever it is. So they cut the tails off. Now it's just for aesthetics, I think, just because it's a look. But Back then, it was for hunting purposes, right? So his purpose was to hunt. He doesn't do much hunting anymore, but it was to hunt, right? And so when we would go somewhere, and he would just get a whiff of animal, a whiff of some kind of rodent. This particular rodent was a gopher, right? And so we're in the, the front it's not like a front, it's a pasture. So it's like you walk in this pasture, not front yard. Um, and so we go out there, and 
he goes nuts. And we have to leash him at this time in his life because he's too fast. Because if he got away and he gets a whiff of something, he's gone, right? Uh, so he gets a whiff, right? And he, see, he smells gophers. And he starts to dig, right? And it's a little dog about this big. You're like, what damage could a little dog do, Right? Because every time he would scoop a little dirt out trying to dig for a gopher, you know, it would just be like, you could be like in the palm of your hand. You're like, not a lot of damage. And so you're talking, you're hanging out, right? And there's got to a point where I turn back around, and it, he is so deep in the hole that his, all it's is his back legs sticking. He can't even put them down. They're like just sticking up, looks like a turkey kind of, <laughs> to the point where he can't get out. And I have to like pull him out of the hole, you know, and then he just goes back at it, right? So why does he do this? Because the gopher is long gone, right? He's, he might have the, the instinct to hunt, but he's not skilled in hunting, okay? <laughs> the gopher is known for a while that we were there and is gone, okay? But the scent is still there. And to him, to, to the dog, it's like I could just, I can smell it. I know it's so close. So I'm going to fight, 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 fight for it. And he ends up digging like 10 massive holes. And then I'm like, I have to cover these now, right? I have to, have to fill these up, right? And so he was so pursuant of, of what this little goat, he could smell it, right? That he was just digging holes that he couldn't get out of. Isn't that kind of indicative of us? That we, that we smell something. There's something that we want. We, we get a whiff of it. I'm like, I want it so bad. Right? And we do these small things to try to get there, and we dig and we dig. And you wouldn't think that just one action, you look at it and go, oh, that's not big of a thing. It's okay if I change that. But you keep doing that over and over and over again. You will end up in a hole that you can't get out of. You'll end up in a place that you're like, man, how did I end up here? How did it get so bad so quick? Then God has to come along and pull you out of the hole, but you still got the scent. And you go and you dig another hole. Because you just want it that bad. And you, in, like, life is like that. Little by little, we end up rushing to something unaware of how far we've gone. You are all probably thinking of moments in your life. You're like, yep, I did that. And I was in a hole. And somebody had to pull me out. Whether it was God or my parents or somebody else, somebody had to pull me out of that hole. You, and you find yourself, when you end up there, you don't want to be there. It's a place you don't like, right, because you're stuck. So you end up overwhelmed. You're anxious of all that ha needs to happen to get you out of that hole or to even continue on to what you're wanting to face. You think there's not enough hours in the day to course correct. And then, so you try to, like, but if I squeeze a little bit more, right, if I do a little bit more, maybe I can achieve it. Maybe I can finally get that gopher. If I just a little bit more. Right? We constantly are trying to, uh, I, I do this at the store. I don't know if you do this. Do you, do you survey the lines, right? And, and you're like, what's the fastest one, right? And you try to pick out, you look at what they have in their hand. It's very invasive, right? It's like, it's like what you got? Are you going to take too long? What are you paying with, right? You get check, card, cash, what's it going to be? How many coupons you got, right? And so you start doing, going down that path. The funny thing is we never look back once we do that. Once we pick a line, we never look back because we, we don't want to know the truth that there was a faster line <laughs> on the other side. I do that. I look because I want to know, and it always makes me angry. I was like, oh, I should have picked them. I bet on the wrong horse, right? And, and, now, and now I'm late to get in the car, which I'm not late to anything. I'm just trying to get out of the store faster. We try to get the faster line. You do it when you drive too. 
You're pulling up in the highway, right? And there's traffic stopped. You're like trying to pick which cars look like they're going to go quicker, right? And you try to, you get in that line to hopefully get there faster. You're rushed, but you're not really rushed. There's not, there's time. You got time to do it, but you feel rushed. And occasionally, because of that feeling, you often feel disappointed in results. You feel disappointed in your life, like something is missing, but you can never find what's missing because you're just too busy, because you've already started digging holes that you can't stop because you're so close. You're so close to what it is. There's no time. And you think to yourself, life is not supposed to be this way. There has to be a more advantageous way to go about it. So what if I told you that the greatest enemy of the life that you want just might be the life that you're living? You have this goal, this life that you would want. If Jesus came down and said, what are you looking for? You would list these things off, but I don't have any of that. And then Jesus would say, well, you're not doing anything to get there. You're pushing in different directions because you have a whiff of something and no evidence of it. You just are digging a hole. But we find ourselves in a place where there was not enough time and attention for what matters. Healthy routines and genuine relationships seem like just a more of a hassle than a joy. They're supposed to be a joy. And so we end up abandoning these healthy routines and deep relationships for small margins of gain. Now, don't get me wrong. I think shoot for success. Try to be efficient in what you do. Try to grow your business. Grow whatever you have. But if you are making such, such cuts in your life where you're cutting out healthy routine, you might get a short-term gain. But eventually, there's going to be a fall because you're not healthy enough to maintain the gains. I feel like I'm teaching a business class now. Um, so, and this is a hard one for me to preach. Um, it's one a harder message for me to talking about being healthy and consistent because in my personality, that's kind of the opposite of, of what my inner being wants to be. My inner sinful self wants to just go after it and do everything that I can and just completely wear myself out. I'm an Enneagram 7. If you do Enneagrams, um, they call me the entertainer. That's what they call me. I am the reason you have a story to tell at work the next day. I am one of those people. Can you believe that Bill did that at that place? And it, it was a big explosion. It was hilarious. I don't know if he's okay, but, you know, it's, you see what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's me. That, that's me. So uh, I will completely, in me, right, if somebody says you can go be healthy or you can go have fun, I, my inkling in me is fun, of course. Why would I do I can be healthy later, right? right? And so I will always jump to the fun, which is not good uh, for me. Uh, again, I'm the reason that you have a story to tell the next day. So hopefully you're not as dysfunctional as me in this area, uh, but I'm guessing you also feel that you're busy. You got places to be, a job to do, you got bills to pay, you got a house to clean, kids to raise, news to read, that's bias to get you upset, Yards to mow, dinner to cook <laughs> that your kids probably won't eat, um, clothes to buy, clothes to wash, clothes not to wear, and then more clothes to buy because you didn't wear those clothes, right? Um, and which ends up being a bigger pile. There's photos to take, captions to write, right? Netflix series to catch up on, to binge, you know, whatever the hit thing is. There's so much demanding your attention 
And it's all good. That's one of the hard things about it because it's enjoyable. Usually it's all like it's not a bad thing, but you ever heard the term too much of a good thing can be a, a bad thing, right? You don't have the time for family meals or deep conversations with friends. You don't have time for rest, reflection, reading, seeking God. That should be like the number one thing. He is the source of it all. He has the solution to like pretty much any problem that we have. Some of the problems is ourself, and we need to check ourselves. But most of it, it's, he's got a solution for it. We just don't have time. We're too busy trying to chase a whiff of something that we want. And you probably think, well, everybody else does. Maybe that's just me. I have it harder. Nobody has time. <laughs> if you're ever at your work and you're like, why isn't nobody helping me? They're all just sitting around. It's possible they could be. But for the most part, they don't have time either. And they feel exactly the same way. What if the greatest enemy of the life that you want is the life that you're living? There has to be a more advantageous way. So what is that advantageous way? We started talking about it last week. It's the way. That's what we call it. That's what Jesus called it, the way. So much so that the people that followed him, they weren't called Christians. They were called people of the way. Not to negate that there was other ways, but the way was the best way. And we find this way in the Gospels. Reading through the Gospels, we follow Jesus and what the way was. And for three years, he showed us what that way is. And Jesus, in those three years, embraced the mission of the Father. He recruited a heavenly team of 12 um, misfits, absolute misfits. Um, he trained them in kingdom values. He endured uh, hatred from Pharisees. He resisted the temptation of the devil. He healed all sorts of sick people. He loved all sorts of hurting people, really unlovable people. He loved them. He preached the word fearlessly. He fulfilled, and this is kind of an argument, so I'm going to say 300 plus. It's not an argument to you, but scholars out there, and some of you might feel like you're a scholar, and I don't want to argue with you later. But some 300 plus prophecies in the Old Testament were fulfilled that they can track, right? All of this in three years, right? Doing all of that. Facing all that he faced, Jesus, and I kind of mentioned this last week, never once ran. Do you catch that in Scripture? Never a jog, never a, a brisk walk, never said that. He walked everywhere. There's only one moment in Scripture that I argue that maybe he hurried a little bit is when he was angry in the temple because they were misusing the temple of God and, and all these things, and he flipped tables over and all that. I, he probably moved a little quick for that, you know, but he, but he was angry, okay? Uh, but for the most part, never ran, never rushed, never, never said, shoot, boys, we're behind schedule. We got to make up lost time. Thomas is late again. Let's leave him. You know, he never, he never said that. That never happened. That would have been me. That would have been Thomas. Um, Jesus never once ran. And that sounds like, like, why is that such a big deal? But think about it. If we're not just, just supposed to believe in him, we're supposed to follow the way that he does things, it matters the fact that he never ran anywhere. He never rushed anything. He never forced anything. Never ran once. In fact, in Mark 12, I mean Mark 2, 14, it says, As 
Jesus walked along, catch that, he walked along, it was always referenced, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth, and he says, follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. First off, that is baller. I mean, that is so cool that you can just walk by and say, hey, let's go, right? And, and, and they get up and walk, right? They just go with them. And I'm like, that is so cool. If I could get any power from God, that would be, I mean, I mean, flying would be great or something or time travel, but, but uh, you know, being able to just say, hey, come on, come on, let's go, right? And so when something that powerful and that prominent, like think about if, you know, if you're a Le- LeBron James fan, if he came up to you and said, hey, let's go, you would jump up and you would run after him. Like, let's go. Where are we going? You know, I don't know. Some of you might be Bon Jovi. I, I don't know who, who your thing is, Dolly Parton, whatever it may be. If they came up to you and said, hey, let's go, you're like, yep, let's do it. I'm going to get there fast. Where do you want to go? I'm going to pick you up and carry you there, right? But no. Levi just got up and walked with him. And so if Levi followed and unrushed Jesus, that means Levi should have been living thereafter an unrushed life, an unrushed personality. So if we follow an unrushed Jesus, our life should also be an unrushed one. We shouldn't be pushing things just to get small margins of gain and hope that we can get a little bit further closer to that whiff of that thing that we want so bad. We shouldn't. So if you find yourself always rushed, stressed, and overwhelmed, exhausted, trying to get it all done, you're always falling short, you feel like you're never enough. You end up at the end of the day thinking that you failed everybody because you didn't complete this grandioso idea of the day that you were supposed to achieve or a project at work or whatever it may be. You're overwhelmed, exhausted. Jesus invites you to come to him. And I referenced this last week, this scripture, but I'm going to read it from a different translation today because this translation, I think, makes it even more clear of what he's trying to do. So we talked about Matthew 11 last week from the NIV, but we're going to read it from the message today. And this is what it says. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? It's almost like an infomercial that he's trying to say. <laughs> Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced rhythms of grace. That sounds awesome. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So Jesus is telling us in this infomercial way through the message translation that just get away with me, and I will help you recover the life that you're searching for. I know you're in a hole. I know you have dug past where you thought you should go. You've ended up in a hole that you never thought you should be in. But I can help you recover. I can be the one, like I was for Davis, to pull you out of that hole. And I can direct you. I can show you a better way. Walk with me. Watch how I do life. That's what Jesus wants for us. So don't just believe in what Jesus believed. 
live the way Jesus lived. So let's look at that. So Jesus was given 33 years to start world-changing revolution. He was born. He was given 33 years. He waited to year 30. <laughs> he waited to year 30 to kick off the whole world-changing situation. Um, 30 years to start it, and it came out of obscurity. Like, he just came out of nowhere, which is odd. He's been around for a while. Been doing, he's, like, he's like, maybe he's just that weird, perfect kid, right, that never, maybe, maybe what, you know, not even his brother knew. James didn't even know, right? He, he's dumbfounded. He's, he, he has writings of that. He's like, it was in my own house, and I didn't even know it. So when he hit the scene and began to make the claims, it felt like it was just out of nowhere, even though he was referencing all the things that he was going to fulfill was prophesied. It was just out of nowhere, right? Um, and so, and then he's baptized by John the Baptist, and that was kind of like his, you know, his launch party, right? <laughs> he got dunked, and everybody's like, whoa! And they saw the, the dove and all that. It was crazy, right? Wild times. Um, and he, you know, comes out of the water ready to save the world. Uh, so after that, you know, what, you think he would start running? No. Spent 40 days alone with God. He got his mission. He had his, his party, his launch party, 40 days alone. I bet people were like, where did he go? <laughs> well, I thought, I, I thought we were doing a thing, and, and, and he's disappeared for 40 days, okay? Um, and then he comes back, right? And then his first miracle is at a wedding. Yeah, he performs his first miracle, and he's like, well, if this, you know, I, I've spent some time, I've got to remind him who I am, I guess, and uh, he goes to a wedding, as we all do, and Jesus didn't big-time them. He could have. He said, hey, Sog is here, son of God. Boom. I am here. It's a dad joke. Come on, guys. I'm a dad. Come on. Give me some. Really? That was that bad? Jeez. All right. The son of God is here. He could have came in and, like, you know, bless, bless, you know, drop the mic out. You saw me. But no. He stayed at the wedding. And he stayed long into the wedding, right? You ever been long at a wedding? It's like you've lost track of time, and there's, it's like you're in a, in a different realm or something. And I'm sure that's where he was, right? And so he stayed until the end, and he kept the party going. He turned water to wine. He's like, no, 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 guys, I got this. That's the miracle they really wanted at that time. They were like, no, nah, forget the healings. Bring some wine in the picture. The good stuff is gone. He's like, boom, he filled them up. And there's a whole meaning in that, which is really cool. You should look into that. But he reminded them. This is a part of his ministry. Uh, the synagogue, so there, he's going through his ministry, and so he does all of that. Uh, um, and that's the kind of way he lived. He didn't rush it. He didn't push it. He didn't force anything. He was just there. And then he had an opportunity to do something cool. He did it. Because you would think if he had the plan, which he probably knew he was going to do it, he's God, right? You would think he would do it at the beginning of the party. Like, yay, yeah, Jesus is here, start the flow of wine, all that, that kind of stuff. But no, he waited. He waited until the right time. It wasn't rushed. So there's a specific story in Scripture that would, I think if we experienced this with Jesus, we would... There would be a moment of anger and frustration, and right? Because you, you ever have an issue that you can't solve on your own, and then you see the solution, but you're too far away, or you don't get there in time to, to gather whatever the solution is, and so then you just, your problem it still exists. It is, to me, that is a frustrating problem. I can equate it to, like, if you're working on a car, 
and you're almost done, and you have one last nut to screw in, and it drops to the engine in a place you can't reach it, and it's kind of like, ah, I was so close. Now i got to take it to a shop because I can't do that, right? That's kind of where, where it is. Some of you are, like, oblivious to that. That's fine. Um, and so there's this story where uh, he's at the synagogue, and there's leaders around, and uh, a guy named Jarius comes to him. He's one of the synagogue leaders, and he says, I need you, Jesus, to come quick. He's desperate. He says, my, my daughter is sick, and she's dying. I need you to come. I need you to come help. And he's like, of course, right? And so he starts kind of heading that direction, starts moseying that way, starts walking that way, not running, not sprinting, none of that, just walking. On the way to Jairus' daughter, he sees a woman. And this is the famous story that you've probably heard, right? It's a story about a woman who was sick, who had a blood disease for 12 years, rare blood disease, right? No solution for her. Jesus sees her in his walk, stops. Daughter is still dying. Stops for this woman, like, it's like, take a ticket, please, right? So this, it stops for this woman, talks to her, hears her story, heals her, right? So time has passed. And then they finally kind of get over to the house, right? And some people come out until Jairus is like, it's too late. She died. Your daughter's dead. I, I can't imagine the pain and anguish that he was feeling. The solution was so close, literally walking that way, and it wasn't quick enough. So I, I'm, they're upset, they're, they're wailing, they're crying, they're, they're, they're mourning, and Jesus still, like, it's Jesus, he's going to do what he's going to do. He still walks up to the house, and he's like, guys, what's wrong? And they tell him, it's like, oh, she, she died, and he says, she's just sleeping. They laugh at him. This is in Scripture. You can read this yourself. They laugh at him because you're like, no, you don't get it. She's dead, right? So he walks in the house, and he's like, guys, just believe. That's what he says to them. He says, just believe. He dismisses all the extra family and friends, right? He says, get out of here, right? Just the mom and the dad are there. And he pulls them in, and, and he leans over, and I can't pronounce it, what he said, but he basically says, says hey, little girl get up. She wakes up. She's walking around, right? And this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. There's still some setup that needs to happen. And this is really unique that we have this story because in trying to protect Jesus in his ministry, you would think that he wouldn't do this yet because he wasn't ready to be crucified. There's some things that had to happen before they got really mad at him, mad enough to kill him. And so this would have been one of those things. Because Jesus is the one that healed the little girl, right? But they don't understand that Jesus is God. And so they think this is just a random man. But he's still taking his time. And so then he pulls them in and he says, don't tell anybody about this. It's in there. It's wild. It's so cool. He says, don't tell anybody. I don't know if he tells them why or I don't know if that's left out of the story. But he says, don't tell anybody. But give her some food. She's hungry. <laughs> and he goes on about his way. Not rushed but still did it. Not on our time, but his time, right? So it's almost like it doesn't matter what happens in time. If Jesus wants it to happen, it's going to happen. So the rushing, the hurrying, the catching the scent and giving up all healthy routines and any faith that we have 
just to get after those small margins, it kind of feels silly, doesn't it? It kind of feels like, why did I ever do that? I'm sure they felt that way. I'm sure that, that mom and dad were like, why did we doubt? I'm so sorry. I end up having to apologize to God all the time for saying, Jesus, I'm sorry that I didn't think that you would do this. It's out of character that you, you wouldn't, right? So, so we look at him, and we think about Jesus in all those situations. That was a really cool one. Then we talk about like his transportation, his choice of animal. He could have picked a horse or uh, a chariot, something, right? He, he could have got any of those things. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But he chooses a walking animal, not even a racehorse donkey. Like he didn't even pick a fast one. A walking animal. You never see Eeyore at a, right, a red light burn off, right? Now, that doesn't happen. They, they mosey. That is the mode of transportation he picked. So if Jesus wasn't rushed, why are you? Two reasons. One, you're running from something. Or two, you're running to something. If you are running and rushing, you are digging little by little because you're either running from past failure, insecurities, hurt, abuse, or you're running to like a goal, marriage, success, children, money, likes, whatever it may be. You're either running from something or to something. And the problem is you're chasing a life that leaves you empty. And there's a scripture that references. It says, be careful. to You don't want to gain the whole world and lose your soul. That's what that's talking about. So what if the greatest enemy of the life that you want is the life that you're living? But you don't understand, Pastor. I don't have enough time. You have the time for what you have time for, what you choose to have time for, whatever that may be. The solution is not more time. The solution is more time for what matters. And there's a magical thing, the way that you do that. You say, no. <laughs> it's a magical word. You should practice it. No. Everybody say it again. One, two, three. No. Doesn't it feel good to say no to things? All right. Saying no to what doesn't matter, right? And saying yes to what does. Spending more time on the things that are bringing health to you rather than draining you. And so just give you an example. And now I have some, a few statistics here, and they hurt me just as much as they're going to hurt you. Okay, so the average American spends 706 hours a year on social media. 706 hours. Man, that one hurt. Um, that's like, if you did that in eight-hour workdays, that would be 4.5, almost 4.5 months of work that we spend on social media, right? That's why people monetize it. All right, and so the next thing, uh, the average American spends 2,737 hours on TV, binge-watching whatever hit series or whatever it may be. Again, I'm telling you, this hurt me too. Uh, the average guy, and this one really hurts me, the average guy, and I'm going to choke saying this, spends, before they are 21, average male, before they are 21, spends 10,000 hours on video games. Oh, gosh, that one hurt. Especially in college, if I didn't want to hear that statistic. Um, so in that amount of time, what could you do with 10,000 hours? This is what really begins to hurt. In 10,000 hours, at like $10 an hour, you could earn $100,000. You could do that. In 10,000 hours, you could read 2,000 books. You could learn and be a professional in piano, a pianist. 
Um, you can get your pilot's license in 10,000 hours. You could memorize the New Testament in 10,000 hours. You could have your undergrad and grad degree in 10,000 hours. You could potentially save a marriage in 10,000 hours. You could reconcile a family in 10,000 hours. If you don't like your job and it's draining, you could start a new career and be successful in 10,000 hours. The things that you could do. Or you could mindlessly waste it on whatever entertains you and makes you feel good. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to have things that help you unplug and escape and enjoy something, right? But there comes a point where it's unhealthy, where you don't want to face what's bad inside of you, so you distract yourself with what's good. Again, my personality. I will avoid the bad talk and say, let's talk about fun things and do fun stuff. Let's worry about that tomorrow, right? Um, So what is the greatest enemy in your life that's keeping you from the life that you want? You're like, well, I think I have it. What do I do? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out how to do it in my life. But I will tell you, I'm not specifically sure in your context what will fit and what will work for you. And I, I do know, though, if you don't slow down, if you don't take a second and wait for Jesus, God's going to slow you down. Life is going to slow you down. You're going to hit a wall, and it's going to hurt, and you're going to wonder why God's picking on you. He's not. He's trying to get your attention, maybe, or you just did this to yourself. Nobody's out to get you. And that kind of goes against God's identity, you would think. So who is God? God is love. The greatest commandment is love your, love your Lord, who is your God, right? You love is, is, is incompatible with hurry. That's the thing about it. When, he, when it comes to love, and if God is love, you can't rush love. There's no fast forward button on, on the date that created the love that you have for one another as if you have a spouse. There's no rushing the love that you have for your child, right? It, it evolves. It changes. I, I, every week, I find new ways and new reasons to love my kids. Just this last week, we spent, Hannah went to a, a conference thing, and it was just me and the boys. Boys time, you know. And uh, we, we were hanging out. I made them awesome Mickey Mouse-shaped nuggets, uh, chicken nuggets and corn, and we're just hanging out. And we spent the whole time, Declan and I, figuring out what kids' bop songs he likes from school that he listens to at, at, in gym at school and teaching each other dance moves. It was amazing. And but that changed, like, the love, I couldn't rush that. I, I can't rush, it has to happen in the time that it needs to happen. You can't hurry it. Love is patient. Love takes time. Hurry doesn't have time. And so love and hurry can't be in the same. That's why you're, if, you, if you're married and you're like, oh, yeah, I love you, bye. If I left the house, even though I had a good reason to be in a hurry, and I didn't say I love you to Hannah before I left, she'd be coming out the door like, what's wrong? What? Did I do something? Did you do something? Where are you going? Why are you mad at me? Do you hate me now? You know, this, it would start a progression. Even though I had a good reason to leave, love, you can't rush it. So no matter how late I might be or I'm going to stop, and kiss my wife and tell her I love her because I don't want to come home to a rough situation, right? I have to, like, backtrack, okay? Love is patient. It does not rush. And this is the prayer 
that I've been kind of I've been praying this year. I prayed it before, and I'm having to remind myself, just because mainly because of my personality, is that God help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. That's what I want for you. So these next seven days, until next Sunday, I want that to be your prayer. And in this process, to kind of help make this happen for you, so praying it and then acting it out, there's three things that are more advantageous for you this week. And it'll probably change things for you, I guarantee it. So number one, be present in the moment. Not give it just enough time to get the facts and get out of there and go on to whatever you're going to do. No, 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 no. Be present in the moment. That means linger a little bit. Wait a little bit, right? Let, listen to people. See the needs. And not just understand the needs, but hurt with them. It's not a crime to go, you know what? You're right. That, that's no good. I wouldn't like that either. How is that making you feeling? So be present in the moment. Number two, choose what's important and eliminate what's not. Choose what's important and eliminate what's not. Uh, this is where you can activate the no word, right? Say no to the things that don't matter and yes to the things that do. Because usually the things that don't matter, it's what people want from us just because to take, and we end up saying no to the things that do matter to people please, right? You have limits. Some the, the limits change. Some people can handle more than others. You know who you are, but don't go past your limits. If you end up in a health, unhealthy place, you're not helpful to yourself or them. So know your limits. Be willing to say no and say yes to what does matter. Um, and you're like, it's a good thing. I enjoy it, but it's not the most important. A no doesn't mean no forever. It just means no now. Right? So that's two. Number three, Sense God's presence and recognize his voice. Now, I understand. Me just saying that, you're like, well, I wasn't trained like you were. You don't have to be. It's not this, you don't have to have crystals and wave them and do crazy things. And, do, you know, there's no seances that you, all you got to do is just say, Lord, I'm here. Talk to me. That's all you got to do. And some of you, that's scary because you're afraid of what he's going to say. <laughs> Sometimes I'm afraid of what he's going to say. Like, did he see me do that? He did. Um, just say, Lord, I'm here. I'm here. I'm open. Let me hear your voice. And it's really cool when you do that, because when you start doing that, you begin to really hear him. Not audibly. That would, like, melt your brain. But, um, but like, in life, you begin to feel nudges and pushes, and you're like, this can't be me. This has to be God. And, and then he asks you to do something weird, and then you try to ignore him again. Every person... <laughs> Jesus loved every miracle he did, everything he did, all the cool stuff he did, he walked to do it. He did not rush it. So that's where I want you to be. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. And where was Jesus walking? Where was he walking to? Jesus was walking towards the cross. He was walking towards a sacrifice, day by day, step by step, walking toward his calling to give you life, a life that you didn't deserve. So if that's where he was walking, where is your walk taking you? Is it taking you to the cross? Is it taking you to something that has to do with God at all? Where is it taking you? Is it in a more advantageous way? 
or is it just a way? This year, I want that to change for you. But it starts by listening. You got mad last week. Now we're listening. We're upset. Can't take it anymore. Lord, show me the way. I'm listening. Let's pray. Jesus, I can't even begin. I don't even have the words to formulate, to show the appreciation that I have, that you love me so much, that you were willing to abandon your seat on the throne next to your Father to come be with us and to live a life, to live in a way that even though we were pushing, you said, no, I'm going to show you the way. Even if you reject me, I'm going to show you the way. Thank you so much for doing that. And Lord, I'm sorry that we were so resistant, and today we're still resistant. But your love is so great and so powerful that even in our darkest moments, even in our fed-up moments, we can't take it anymore moments, that is where you are waiting to put that yoke over us, to take us by the hand and walk with us out of it. And so this week, Lord, I pray that we would feel for your presence, that we would ask for your presence, that we would seek it and listen to your voice to find those moments we need where these things are breaking us and we get to break it before it completely keeps us broken. So whatever that is, Lord, I pray that we walk out of it with you and that we look for your voice in your hand to take us out. Lord, and I pray that for Village Heights as well as a church. Lord, bless these people. Bless this week as we seek you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.